thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. I've got um, four words that will change the tone of the message and I, and I don't want to apologise, it's a powerful message, but it's about to shift for a while. You've been lied to. Some of you have believed the lies for years, and, and some of you maybe haven't, but you'd be lying if you said that you, um, you haven't had this lie nagging you throughout all the days of your life. You've been lied to, but today the lie has to go. Because the lie, it's restricted you. For some here, you're about to find out that you've been living in the midst of a lie and you haven't even realized it. And when you unpack it, as we unpack it with the Word of God this morning, you're about to discover that it's the key thing that's been restricting your life until this very day. Today, this lie has to go. And I'm here this morning, and this is why it's a shift in atmosphere, I'm here this morning to pick a fight with some lies. Now, I'm not coming at this topic, um, I'm not coming at this thing as an outsider, I'm not coming at this thing from some moral superior platform of you have believed a lie that I have never believed, because I'm speaking from an expert point of view. I'm, uh, I, I lived a life held by a lie for some time, and if I'm honest, the consequences of believing that lie for so long, it's still working its way out of my life. I'm not coming at you from a standpoint of, of um, not having... I, I, I'm an expert in this stuff. I've lived one. For me, the lie has been this, and I'm about to get a little bit raw with you today, but because we're a church community, because we're like a family, I can. But the lie of, uh, in, my, in my foundational years was this. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. I, 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 even, even moving, you won't understand the context um, of the suburbs I'm about to mention from the city I used to live in in a different country, but you could transplant the suburbs or the areas of town if you want to in Edinburgh context. But I, I grew up in an area of town which was, um, which was a, which was a rougher part of town. And when Lisa and I were married and we decided to move, not even to a new city, not even to a new anything, but just to a new part of the town we had uh, the, the peop some people in our lives who we loved uh, echo uh, anxiety in our heart, which was, you shouldn't be in this suburb. It's above your station. It's above your, who do you think you are to? You shouldn't be here. When I was 14, I wrote a, um, I wrote a poem um, I wrote it about me, I didn't name me, but I wrote it about me and a sadness in my life and an isolation in my life and uh, with lines that if, I, if my children read to me, I would be really concerned. And, and my parents, indeed, they were. I read it to my parents. I, I said out of the blue, hey, I wrote a poem and I read it to them and when I finished, um, 
they were silent and they said, is that about, is that about you? They were concerned. I was talking about how I never th- thought that I would make another human connection. I'd never m- meet a woman who'd, who'd want to marry me. I'd, I'd, it went on and on. And I lied. I said, I said, no, no, <laughs> no, it's a school thing. I, just, I tell a story about, um, you should hear actually, I have one of the great, I think, um, getting together with uh, Lisa's, w- with, well, with a wa- my now wife stories. Um, <laughs> I got there. I, um, I've got these stories that are hilarious. I don't have time to unpack them and share them with you now, but let's meet up for a coffee. They're, they're hilarious because of my ineptitude. I was like, I didn't realise we're on a date. I didn't realise. We went on a date that I never knew happened because, because and that was hilarious. And when, and when you, I tell the story and I line up all the cues that it was a date, you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> and, then, and then I ruined that. And then a year and a half later, we meet again in a different context and there's more chemistry and I almost threw that away too. Hilariously. It's really funny. But the underpinning heart of the story that I don't share, because it's not funny, is the reason why I didn't um, pick the cues up is because in my heart I believed a lie that I wasn't worth it. I didn't see the cues because I didn't think they would ever be for me. The lie told me to lie lower, to expect less. The lies told me to be at peace uh, with whatever came my way because I was powerless. The, The lie got under my skin and it started to shape my future. And I started to look at my life and my future differently, you see. I started to look at the options of, of my career choice. I, I never even considered areas that I could have grown or gone into because who am I to ever try? I started to... I've told the story of a relationship. I almost missed the love of my life two times <laughs> because who am I? Who? Why would anybody... Where did the lie come from? I don't know. I, I don't know where the lie came from. I, I, I have a wonderful family, I have wonderful parents. They never spoke a horrible uh, break, break heart word over my life, as far as I can recall. And, and I know that other families, uh, haven't, uh, children haven't been so blessed with that. Um, but I don't know where the word came from, but something got under my skin about a lie that I wasn't worth it, a lie that I wasn't enough, a lie that I should live for less. And all it took was that lie to get under my skin. And then this is what happened, right? Some experiences found their way through to amplify and confirm those things, those lies. And experiences and circumstances have a way of doing that, don't they? It confirms the very stuff, the evidence that I'm looking for, I'll find and apply to the, to the belief that I have about myself. All it took was that person's look that time to make them go, yeah, I get it. I know, because I'm not. But un- underneath all of that and behind all of that, I believe that there's a liar in this world, the Bible calls him the father of lies, that will try and keep you down and take you out. John 8, 44. This is, this is Jesus saying a hard word to um, the Pharisees and the religious folk at the time. So, this is not me calling 
you children of your father the devil. This is him talking to someone else, but bear with me. For you are the children of your father the devil, uh, and you love to do what the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he's always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Oh my gosh, what I just shared was pretty personal to me. And I don't share it for pity, and I don't share it for, um, you know, emotional points in a message. I share it because um, there may be one or two or three people in this place hearing my voice this morning who knows exactly what I mean. Because your story is similar. The lie is similar. So I need to share this story with you because it has a powerful ending because you need to understand that you might be embraced in some kind of a lie that today needs to get broken. You know who else was lied to? So many. Which one am I going to pick? Gideon. Gideon was lied to. Turn with me to Judges 6, 11 to 16. We're going to read from there. If you've got a Bible or an app, or it's going to come on the screen as well. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. But this, this is a man who was lied to. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. I'm going to come back and provide some context for you in a moment. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Remember, right now he's hiding at the bottom of a wine press. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us, the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and he's handed us over the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, second but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. We don't get a good picture of the lie that started in Gideon's life, but we do through this passage get uh, some of its fruit. Because if God tells the truth and Gideon's responses are other than the truth, then we know that Gideon's being told a lie. His first lie, the first lie was this. Let me, let me, let me read his responses. We, we get a clue from here. His first response was, um, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles? Surely the Lord has abandoned us. He's handed us over because, because of Midian. And here's the context, right? So this is a time where the nation of Israel is getting... Um, crushed and pincered in by a, a, a more powerful neighboring nation called Mid the Midian, the Midianites. And, and they have, uh, they're outwitted, they're outstrengthed. The, the Midianites have, have uh, oppressing the, is the Israelites in a great way. There's a famine coming because there's not enough food coming through. The people are on their knees. There's, they, there's, there's nothing much happening in the country. And so people are hiding out. And so we have 
Gideon here trying to protect his food because there's a famine coming. He's trying to protect his food that would otherwise be taken by the, by the enemy army. And so he's crushing his wheat in the bottom of a big giant wine press, a place where you'd step on all the grapes to press the wine and make your wine. He's down there and he's grinding it, hiding. That's when the angel chooses to turn up. Firstly, we could preach that. God will always turn up at the times when you wish he wouldn't. It would have been better if he was. But he turned up in his, in his, in his hidingness and he, and he told them this thing. Anyway, the first lie was this from Gideon that somehow got into him. And the lie was, my circumstances speak for God. And my circumstances say that I'm powerless. The second lie is this. Um, you hear it from his second response. He says, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am least in my whole family. The second lie is this. My identity tells me that I'm powerless. Someone here needs to understand this morning that your circumstances right now, they don't have the power to render you powerless. Your circumstances are not necessarily speaking for God. Someone here needs to understand that your history, your raw material, your, your memories, your, what led you into this place this very morning, everything behind you doesn't render you powerless going forward. By the way, by the way, I love these by the ways because not, it's not technically part of the message, but I just can't get past it without sharing this with you. I love the responses of God in this passage. I, wanna, I don't have time, but let me have time to tell you why. I love the responses he has. Firstly, I love how in the middle of the wine press, in the middle of his most um, least heroic potential moment, God approaches him and opens with this, mighty hero. And he's not being sarcastic and he's not being hardcore. He's saying genuinely, mighty hero. Because here's the thing, if you and I have the, the benefit of reading the Bible and we can look at the end and work our way back, you know what I mean? So we actually know that Gideon becomes a mighty hero and he does save the Israelites. He does all of the things that God is about to tell him, but Gideon doesn't have that hindsight. So, so, when, so when, when, God, when God says mighty hero, he's not lying. Mighty hero. Gideon says, stop it. It's really rude. You need to understand this about God, that God isn't He's, he's got the benefit of being God. He doesn't live in a linear time frame like we do. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He, 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 he does all of these things. You need to understand about your own issues uh, and about the, your own relationship with God, this fact, that He doesn't see you the way you might see you. He sees you the way uh, He's forming you to be. He sees you from the end looking back. In fact, even better, the Bible says because you're in Christ, He sees you as Christ. He sees you as spotless and blameless and free. So sometimes He'll speak to you in, in church. Sometimes He'll speak to you in your worship. Sometimes He'll speak to you. And you know how you know it's God? Because He's speaking about you. You wouldn't speak to yourself about that. He calls you a hero. He says that you're going to get through it. He says, he says something in your spirit that jumps out the page and you say, that's not me. It, I'm telling you, it's God. He'll speak to you because he sees the, 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 the breakthrough before you see the breakthrough. I love that he starts with mighty hero. I also love his first response, because um, remember, he says, God's not with, you're not with us, God, you've abandoned us, you've handed us over. And, and, uh, uh, and he, I love that God doesn't 
doesn't feel obliged to engage with him on that philosophical existential level. He doesn't say, well, actually, you know, when, I'm, when it seems like I'm not there, I'm actually there, and, and, you know, you know, and starts breaking it open philosophically. He says, um, you know what, I'm, I'm sending you. Again, if you're Gideon, you're like, no, you, you did, did you even engage with what I just said? What I had is really important. He said, no, 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 you think that you need to have all of those answers right now. You think you need to have all of those clarifications to stop you being paralyzed in fear, but this is what you do need. You need to know that you're sent. That's what you need to know. And sometimes, can I apply this to you, sometimes the anxiety and the angst that you're facing and the lack of clarity that you're, you're trying to find your way through and, you're, and you feel a bit paralyzed because you're thinking, well, wh- how do I know about my circumstances and they're saying this and what do I say about God because I need to understand all of this and I can't move until that lines up and then that lines up and it's all synced up and I can walk through the middle. Only then can I move. And maybe God's saying to you, you know what? Even amidst your circumstances and even amidst your questions, what I need to tell you is that you're sent. Why am I even studying this? Why isn't God answering me? But what He's saying to you is, get up, talk to someone about me, because I'm sending you. Why am I going through this? This is dark, this is hard, this hurts, I'm in pain. Why aren't you answering me? Get up, get into the house of God, pray with someone who needs some support right now. I'm sending you into the world. I'm not saying the answers are unimportant. I'm not saying your questions are irrelevant, but I'm saying I'm sending you. My hand is on you. Some of us give too much credit to the circumstances in our life. Some of us, some of us paralyze ourselves until we can fully understand and control everything. But that comes out of a lie that's trying to remind you of your powerlessness. And God's response is, I'm sending you and you have a great authority as I do. I love his second response. I know, I know I've got to move on. His second response is, um, he says, but I'm the least and I'm the less and I can't do anything. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? God's response, he doesn't argue with his family position because he knows it. He doesn't argue with his raw material because he knows it. I imagine, in fact, if God, he doesn't say it, but I imagine him shrugging. So what? So what? So you're not, the, you're not this and you're not that. So what? Who said that it was going to be on your strength anyway? Who said that you're going to save the Israelites because of you anyway? In fact, he responds in this way. He says, go, because I'm sending you. He says, go, because I will be with you. And there's something that happens in a life, um, in a li- trapped in a lie that says that you're powerless when you somehow realize uh, that it's not about you at all anyway. There's something in the life of pow- in powerless for, for me that... that, that that, that believed deeply that somehow I was born for less, called to less, that the truth set me free, and the truth was that it's all about Him anyway. Someone this morning needs to know that you are, in fact, a mighty hero in the context of your life. Someone here this morning needs to know the truth that Jesus has sent you to accomplish a mission. You are a sent person. Look to your left and to your right. They are sent. Now, look somehow to yourself. I don't know. You're sent too. He goes with you. He's never leaving you. He's never forsaken you. He said that. Your mission is to follow Jesus and go and be awesome in all of your days, getting out of your own head sometimes so you can make disciples of every area, of every sector of society and in your world. Your mission is that. Now turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you. 
I'm here sent this morning to tell some people that they've been living a lie and the lie has restricted you. The lie has governed the decisions that you've made. The lie has held you back and it's a poison. But I'm also here to tell you that I've brought the antidote to the poison. See, the antidote for me was Jesus. And the antidote for you is in Jesus. John 8, 31 and 32 says, uh, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who loves that verse? It's a really commonly preached verse that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the day I encountered Jesus, a new spirit came on me. A new heart was birthed on the inside of me. And from that day to this, starting from the core of me unto this very day, He is leading me and led me and will continue to lead me into places of more truth and less lie. The truth has been setting me free since I was 16 or 15 and I said yes to Jesus until this day. Sometimes inch by inch, Sometimes, sometimes a seismic shift. Sometimes I have a moment with God in a church service like this, in a moment before when you just let the Holy Spirit into your life, and all of a sudden you, you jump, it feels like you've jumped a mile, like, like the Hulk when he jumps, because he doesn't actually fly, you know, he jumps. And, he, and, he, and, and so he jumps a mile. Sometimes I feel like I'm not moving, but if I really look, inch by inch, Jesus is leading me out of, out of a background of lies and into the future of truth that sets me free but I've never once stopped. God has never let me stop. He keeps me going. So I'm not the powerless kid from Charnwood. Rather, I've been chosen to preach the gospel in beautiful Edinburgh. I'm not scraping for, for, for a, a future career path or a future, what will, what, what, will I be, what will my ceiling be? There's no ceiling. I found that actually I am um, capable of much more than I ever knew, ever, ever imagined in Christ. I'm not a relational pariah. I've married the most gorgeous woman on the planet who still loves me after all of these years. It's true. The lie to me was that I was powerless, and the lie to you might be that it's the same. But the truth is, in Christ, you have power to influence. Now, here's the, in the last couple of minutes, I might need someone to help me play because I need to wrap my, this message up because this message sounds like a really warm and uplifting one. It sounds really nice, doesn't it? Right now, maybe you're thinking, that's a really nice message. I needed to hear that. That's really warm and really cuddly, but it comes with teeth because I'm not, I didn't, I didn't come with this message to be gentle and kind. I came to stir you up. Because we live in a, and this is the way we, I suppose we actually wrap up this whole series, is because we inherit a generation and we've inherited a city and we've inherited a, a time where people are saying the church is in decline, where people are saying the church is powerless, where people are saying we, we live under a state of um, ultimate powerlessness in many sectors. We don't have a voice. But the truth is the whole uh, world has believed a lie about itself. And the whole world is actually hungry for a truth. And it's the truth that you contain on the inside of you. And so I need to wrap up this series on vision and the direction of our church. I need to wrap it up today because we've got more things to talk about in coming weeks and months. But this message is designed to stir us up into 
uh, less of a, a nice warm feeling and more of a community wake-up call because it's not a, I love you, but it's not about you. I love you, but it's not about you. It's not about you waking up from a lie because you need to wake up from a lie. You need to wake up from a lie and live in the truth because it's people around you who need to be impacted by the truth. And every day that you don't is a day that they can't get free. So not for you. This isn't for you. This is for others. You have friends, for example, who are feeling powerless today. They're not here in church. Or maybe they are. You have friends today who are feeling powerless in the way that they think, you see. They, they feel like they, they are powerless against the invasive thoughts that invade them, uh, their moods that they feel like they have no control over, uh, but they're being lied to in a big part of their life. It's more than hormones. It's more than neural pathways. Um, and they're not a slave. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. And there are people who need a breakthrough in their thinking. They need to defeat the lie. They need to embrace the truth. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're waiting for you. You have friends who are convinced that they are trapped in an addiction. And there's so many addictions. I've had friends before addicted to gambling. I've had friends before addicted to unhealthy relationships, one after the other after the other. I've had friends addicted to pornography. But regardless, the feeling of addiction is powerlessness. They're in the lie where they think that they are powerless. But Romans 8.37 says, Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. People need to know it, man. Your people need to know it but they won't know it until you can get free as well. There are people in your connect group. There are people who you gather with in our, in, our, um, in our intentional communities of twos and threes that we're doing and continuing to do across our church. But you know what? They, they, they want to open their mouth and pray, but they're too nervous to because they think they're somehow disqualified, unqualified, less than. They were made for less. But the whole title of this message is made for more because they're actually made for more. They have an insight to share. You have a friend in Connect who has an insight to share that will break something off someone else's life, but they've believed a lie that they have nothing to give. That has to stop. And they need you to help them stop it. Matthew 10, 19 to 20, it says, don't worry about how to respond when that day comes because God will give you the right words to say at the right time because it's not even that you that's going to be speaking. It'll be the spirit of your father speaking through you. What this church needs to know, what you need to know, my friend, what I need to, what we all need to wake up to is that God has appointed us mighty heroes in the context of our life. He has sent us. He has sent you. He is with you. You are made for more than you think. You've been made for more than you think, to reach further than you think, to contribute more than you think. If we're going to see this city uh, taken and blessed and built for Jesus, if we're going to see families come back together, addictions drop off, ill health restored, if we're going to see all that God has to do in this city as a church community, we can't shrink back because that's not humility. That's now become selfishness. You are made for more. You are made for more. You are made for more. I'm telling you.
you are made for more. Would you close your eyes across this place? I shared my story about the lie I once believed. I shared my story about the lie that I was made for less. And with every eye closed right now in this place, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I think that some prayer needs to happen. I think some lies need to drop. I think some breakthrough needs to come. I think some freedom needs to be seen. If you're you're here right now with your eyes closed, so it's just, so, so I know who I'm directing this prayer for, and you're suddenly, or maybe you've been for some time aware that there's a lie that's got hold of you, that's restricted you, that you're, you're sick of, you're done with. I've been raw and I've shared, and now I ask you in the privacy of every other eye close to do the same. If you've lived a lie that you know you need to let go of right now, Would you raise your hand in this place? There's hands going up everywhere, actually. There's hands going up everywhere, actually. They're still going up. They're still going up. This is a... We're going to cross a line this morning, okay? We're going to cross a line this morning because that line needs to die. You can put your hands down because I'm about to get us all to stand up, but it helps us guide our prayers. Now I want to ask you, if you've never, look, if I, I don't know how you can get free of a lie unless you have Jesus, the one who tells the truth. I don't know any other way. I've looked, I've tried, I've always come up empty. But if Jesus is alive and he is who he says he is, he is the truth and he will set you free. If you, if Jesus is an alien person in your world, if if you don't know him, if you've never said yes to him, I want to invite you, say yes to Jesus, try, try, see what he does. With every eye still closed, I'm about to get everyone to pray, but I want to ask you this, if you don't, have not said yes to Jesus, but he's stirring in your heart and you know that he is, what is this? I don't know, it's him. I'm about to ask you to put your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. I've got a Bible for you to give you afterwards anyway. Or maybe you have before, but this whole message shakes you up a little because you know that you've been making all kinds of decisions that are not Jesus. You've, you've walked other ways, but you know that you need to realign yourself with Him. If you've never said yes to Jesus or you need to say yes to Him afresh, would you raise your hand as well? Who's there? I see that hand. Who else is there? I need everybody to, to, freedom will only come at the other side of saying yes to Jesus. Awesome. Incredible. Okay, we need to do something right now. So many people put up their hands. So many people are responding. So many people need to cross this something, some line this morning. Uh, would the whole church, please, would you stand up? Now, maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you know that you should have. Maybe you didn't put your hand up because you know that you didn't need to, and that's awesome. Bless you. Uh, or maybe you put your hand up. Regardless, we're all going to say a prayer together. 
because we, you, your prayers can be a catalyst for breakthrough for the person around you who did. Would you put your hand over your heart, please? That seems like a good way to go. Hand over your heart. We're going to pray one of the most significant prayers that some people are going to pray. This is a breakthrough moment. Even before I got up here this morning, I happen to know that there are, there are several messages that, we, that, that I'm privileged to preach that I know that God has been on to shift people's lives. And years later, they talk about that time when God spoke to them and that thing. And I already knew before I got up that this was one of those for some. So I don't... So would you close your eyes, hand over your heart, and repeat after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the truth. Jesus, I'm letting go of that lie. It has restricted me. It has held me back. It has tried to kill me. But today, I turn my back on it. It, I, I relinquish any power it has that has tried to call me powerless. And Jesus... I believe that you are the truth. Not simply my truth, the truth. I follow you. I am free. In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray. I'll pray now. You stop talking. Father God, I pray for every single person. Every single person in Jesus' name that you that you bring it liberty to in this space, in this place, even now in Jesus' name. You say where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so I thank you that right now there are hearts being freed, being made free. The chains are fallen to the ground, that eyes are uplifted toward heaven, that as people leave these chairs in this auditorium on this Sunday, they leave behind them the weightiness of lies and they walk away with the weightlessness of the truth. That these are life-changing moments that we have been witness to and we give you all of the honour and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.